Hi, I'm Abby, and this is We Have Notes, a podcast for the pop culture obsessed and the people who love them. I hope you have all had a good week. I am recording this from my hotel room in New York City, which is very, very fun for me. Um, I have been in the city, and then also I just got back from a couple days in Watch Hill, Rhode Island, uh, which is an amazing place. I guess I've never been to Rhode Island before, but um, I was right next door to Taylor Swift's house. It's incredible. Yeah, the house from the last great American dynasty that quietly sat on that hill, and then it was bought by me and me being Taylor. Um, so, I mean, I might be the loudest person that town has ever seen since then. Uh, it's, it's stunning this house, you guys, you could, so I stayed at this amazing hotel called Ocean House with my friend Gwen, who has been on this podcast and we, she invited me, it was, um, a little like mini press trip for, um, the 40th anniversary of Essie as in like your favorite nail polish. So happy birthday, Essie. Welcome to your forties. It's much fucking better here. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you could this, I mean, ocean house, it's stunning. Um, so beautiful. We had the most amazing time and you like walked on the beach, ate oysters, like sat outside. I mean, it's just so the weather was stunning. It was, everything was beautiful, but you could literally like the hotel is like right by Taylor's house. So it's like hers is like up on a hill as she sings about like a bluff and the rocks and the site of, you know, the famous 4th of July parties with the squad, um, some Hiddle Swift moments, which actually will come up later in the pod today. Remember old Hiddle Swift? Um, you know, you can really see why she bought this house. It's incredible. And you can see that she can actually have like privacy there. But of course I took a picture on the beach, like with it behind me and you know, played last great American dynasty like 20 times. Um, anyway, if you ever have a chance to go to watch Hill, Rhode Island, please do so. Um, we also met this guy. He, we were sitting by this fire pit, like having s'mores. It was again, like I said, delightful. And this like local dude, like came to hang out and, and he was, his name was Hayward Gatch. I mean, like what a name, right? And he was telling us stories about, when Taylor came to buy the house and he, and I was just like peppering him with, of course, questions like, well, which house was it where the neighbor, the neighbor's dog was allegedly dyed green by Rebecca Harkness when she lived in the house. And everyone was like laughing at me, like, cause you know, obviously I know the whole history of that house from the song as we all do if you listen to folklore. But anyway, it was, it was, it's a magical place and I would like to become a writer in residence there. As I said, I said this on Instagram, like I wish Taylor would start like a program for writers, you know, in their forties who would like to just, you know, move there for a little bit, like at the hotel, not at her house. And, but I was like, I was like, I'm like basically in a Nancy Myers movie in my head, wherein like I come here to write and finally finish my first novel. And I befriend this, you know, like lyrical genius megastar who lives next door and we become friends and we help each other through writer's block and we wear like bougie hippie clothes and like, you know, flowing skirts and then like chunky knits as like fall creeps in, you know, of course, totally normal, totally normal scenario. But uh, it was really awesome and I highly suggest going there at some point if you ever can like it's just a beautiful setting a great place for a vacation it's like very restorative and 
Yeah. And so now I'm back in the city and just was thinking like the Met, you know, was this week, um, which is usually in May, but it was this week. I mean, uh, it honestly wasn't that exciting. I mean, of course, a lot of people looked very pretty. Kenny looked pretty. Haley looked pretty. Gigi looked pretty. Kaya looked pretty. Everyone looked pretty for the most part. And then some people looked insane. Like Grimes, of course, is going to come and look insane. But yeah, I was really obsessed with Iman and Harris Reed. That was like a real, some real icon, like shit. Like that was, that was a moment. I liked, I liked Billie Eilish a lot and that like kind of Marilyn Grace Kelly vibes. Um, Lupita's denim was very great. And I think also like a real a nice statement for like American fashion um, as a look, even though it was not by an American designer. Um, Timmy Chalamet and the Hater Ackerman and with Chuck Taylors into it. Kiki Palmer looked amazing, but also was a goddamn delight on the live stream. So I was helping my friend Gwen, who is the beauty director of Us Weekly. She was having to cover it and we're in Rhode Island in our hotel room. So I'm like assisting and like calling, look, watching the live stream and being like, and this person's got a winged liner and this is that. So it was fun. Um, but Kiki was so great. I love her. I mean, I've always loved her, but she was so great. And you know, like, why is Kim still letting Kanye dictate her fashion? Like, why this face coat? Like, I can't. Like, Kim, Kimberly, Kimberly Noel Kardashian. Let's let's move on. You can make your own decisions. Uh, also, like, Rihanna showing up at, like, 10 p.m. made me laugh. But only because I was not co- really covering the event for my own work. And, and Gwen and I were done by that point. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's rude, but it's very Rihanna. And I'm kind of here for it. But I have a really fun um, duo booked on the show soon, and we're going to talk a lot about red carpet fashion, so I feel like we'll dig into this a little deeper, but um, if there's anyone you really want us to talk about, it's not going to just be about the Met, but um, that's coming soon in a couple weeks. Also, like, don't even get me started on Courtney and Travis and Megan and Machine Gun Kelly at the VMAs. Like, fucking enough already. Enough. I'm done with it. Done. I mean, I was already done with it, but like, stop it. Do you not want to see you guys wagging your tongues around in each other's mouths? Like, enough. And also, Megan Fox, Kim Kardashian did that Mugler wet look already. It's been done. So, anyway, um, that's enough, like, ranting from me. I was going to say one other thing, um, something that I'm watching that I'm loving, and I think we'll talk about it more in depth later, possibly. I mean, from from Taylor's BFF, Selena Gomez, is Only Murders in the Building on Hulu is so charming and really fun. I'm loving it. It's um, Steve Martin and Martin Short. So like, of course, it's funny and charming. But Selena's great. Um, I love Selena Gomez. <laughs> I also love Selena Gomez's beauty products. It's just, it's really fun. Um, anyone who has ever taken part in like true crime culture or true crime podcast culture or podcast, culture, like whatever, it's, it, you'll love it. Um, it's, it's, I highly recommend it. It's, it's really fun. I have, I'm, I think I've, Watched four episodes so far. Anyway, I'm enjoying it very much, so I thought I'd leave you with that before we get to today's conversation with my good buddy, Michelle Ruiz, who is back on the show. We're going to talk about some books and some stories she's written, a kind of like update on like what's going on with the Royals and where where do William and Kate go from here. Um, A new crush. It's not really a new crush, but we haven't really talked about him on the show course he's in his 20s um and he's very tall so stay tuned for that and we will be right back with michelle 
This week's guest is our very first two-timer here on We Have Notes. She was actually the second person I ever recorded with, and I'm so happy to have my beloved Michelle Ruiz back on the pod. It's always been my hope to have a rotating crew of regulars like Carson or Letterman used to have on their shows, and now my dream is becoming a reality. In case you're new around these parts, Michelle is a magnificent writer and one of my very close friends who I met when she came to interview with me for a job at Cosbo many, many moons ago, and we've basically been attached at the hip or the iPhone ever since. These days, you can find her work in places like Vogue and Vanity Fair and New York Magazine, where she covers everything from politics to pop culture. Uh, We love so many of the same things. Great journalism, beautiful, sexy books, younger men, older men, mutually hating on bullshit we see on Instagram together, women's reproductive rights, piercings, tattoos, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So we're just going to play it kind of fast and loose today with a few of those topics and who the fuck knows what else. So please welcome back my fabulous friend, Michelle Ruiz. Hi. Oh my, hi. Oh my God. I'm humbled. I'm humbled to be like the Joan Rivers to Carson. Sorry for the old, sorry for the really old reference for like the the kids who were like, what is that? You can find it on YouTube, kids. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, you are. You're like the Joan to my Johnny. Maybe you'll have to, like, fill in for me someday. You know, who is like Joan the modern thing of that? Yeah. Who's like the modern one of like, does Jimmy Fallon I mean, have like a regular guest that he has on? I mean, I don't know if he does as much because like because people would come on like Carson and Letterman was very much like this, too. And they weren't really promoting anything. They were just like, yeah, come on. they would just like come on to like shoot the shit. Like, like totally. Michael Keaton on Letterman was always really amazing. I mean, I've also always been in love with Michael Keaton. But like, you know, there was just like certain people. I don't know if that happens as much anymore. I don't anymore. really think it does. I feel like someone's always cravenly promoting something. So they just pack the roster with that. Which is people. like fine. It's just like the only time they want to book stuff. Because if they want to, there's just so many other outlets to like put your, like they can just go on their Instagram yeah. or whatever if they want to. I mean, for better or for worse, that's what a lot of them do. <laughs> like, totally. They, sh- they don't need, they don't keep need traditional media anymore. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Oops. Oh, sorry. We <laughs> had a whole career in that. <laughs> Wrong profession. Oh, we made, we made a terrible mistake. I, yes. <laughs> but like we were saying, we're like, well, the world is terrible. So let's just have some fun. Like, let's just have awful. some let's fun. Have some Everything fun. is so heavy. I mean, there's like natural disasters on top of pandemics. You know, this is why. I mean, I think a friend at Vogue at one point was like, because I was writing a lot of political stories and she was writing traditional like art stories. And she was like, I feel like I'm not doing anything valuable. And this is during the whole Trump administration. And I was like, I feel like you're doing something incredibly valuable because people need escapes and joy and happiness and shows and like normalcy. So I feel like that's what we have notes is (laughs) in a dark, dark hour. Like we have to like dissociate somehow, like for a minute, like not for good, but like for a minute. Cause it's like, you can't sustain it and like, like yeah it's just it's too much I mean which is why (laughs) this makes me think of one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because I loved the story that you did on um piercing the ear piercings and like women in in the pandemic because this is a conversation that we have had and like many of my other friends have had about like um just getting 
like more ear piercings to just like feel alive. Anything to just awaken your deadened soul. <laughs> tell me about this yes. story. Tell, tell, yeah. Well, I know about this story. Tell everyone else about the story in case they have not read it yet. Yeah. I mean, it's a story that was in the Wall Street Journal recently, and it really was inspired by my own burning desire to, to put it really eloquently, pierce the shit out of my ears. Yeah. And it started bubbling up during the pandemic. Um, and then people in the story kind of said like their lives became so same, like the every day became so monotonous and so yeah. same that they were just like looking for a little thrill, you know, and that's what getting a piercing came to represent. But I mean, it's kind of unscientific. Like my methods are very unscientific. It's kind of like, <laughs> what, what do people talk about at brunch or drinks? And then when it, when the conversation keeps happening and happening, I'm like, well, this has got to be a thing. Yeah. And this kept happening. I mean, I've like friends from all over the country, different positions in life were all talking, talking to me about wanting, you know, a, a cartilage piercing or wanting like extra lobe piercings or having already done it. And I started to think like, okay, so what is this about? And it was all women between their like mid to late thirties to late forties and beyond and having this like siren call to pierce. And the more people I talked to, it became, I mean, I love when something seems on the surface to just be like fun and, you know, accessorizing, but then there were actually deeper reasons behind it. You know, it was like, one friend told me how you know, she had like as a mom been through so much like inflicted bodily pain that she wanted to like experience pain on her own terms. Um, I loved that. And like a it's lot of people dark were kind of like it. <laughs> it's really bleak. And a lot of people were kind of like, I I just want to feel like a little edgy. I want to feel like I'm doing something that is you know, a little bit like dancing along the edge, you know, and it's like, if that is like a little fourth evil eye post in your ear, so be it. You know, I think like our mutual friend now, Allison said like, it sure beats like a full fledged midlife crisis where you're buying a sports car <laughs> and like leaving yeah. your husband, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's a pretty safe and accessible way to like feel alive, I think. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's kind of, it's interesting because there is a little bit of an, an industry that's popped up around it with, you know, that store studs in, in the city. It's like a downtown, very like a glossy Instagrammable store that will like curate, you know, piercings all up your ear. And then, you know, obviously Maria Tosh has been a pioneer in this space. And, you know, now my Instagram feed, in addition to just feeding me like endless paparazzi photos of Harry Styles is yes. feeding me a lot of ear, curated ears, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm behind on this. Like I'm not, I don't wear earrings a lot, but I've like over, I've been like telling Allison, we got to get me, we got to get me up to speed. We got to yeah. get up to speed. Though I did schedule my next tattoo. Oh, you did. And what is it? Mm -hmm. So, cause I got my first tattoo last November and then I'm going to do like I, these little like almost like sparkles like on my right hand starting like in between my thumb and my forefinger like on my hand and then like a couple of them are going to go up my thumb oh um, my god I'm 
dead. I'm on the floor. <laughs> I want hand tattoos in the worst way. So it, I feel like it's like, because my my intuitive, I, I was wanting something on my hand. Mm. And then my in, this intuitive that I spoke to this summer, who I've referenced a few times, the one who told me right off the bat, she was like, you're not a light touch, are you? And I was like, I'm not. Um, but <laughs> That's one way of putting was, it. Yeah. Um, she, she was talking about like, I was talking about like work stuff and whatever. And she was talking about like capturing my magic and like putting it out into the world. And like, that's the way I'm going to like actually make a lot of money and um, all these different things. So I was like thinking about magic and, you know, I like witchy shit and I'm born on yeah. Halloween and like, I didn't want to get something like a broomstick, a, <laughs> like, a cauldron, oh, a witcher's hat, <laughs> like obviously <laughs> never, but, um, I was like, oh, okay, magic. And then if it's like, kind of like it's shooting out from your hand, you know, like obsessed. fucking Spider-Man or something, so obsessed. like, it's like, I can chong it out into the world and then I'll look at my hand and also uh, it's like the hand I write with so oh my I was god thinking of like this whole thing <laughs> so that's I am coming in October obsessed with it yeah I think this is very much kind of like part but that was my version of that I think yeah but I think it's it's kind of all related right I mean like don't you think that maybe there's a reason why you're getting while you're doing body modification now maybe instead of when you instead of 20 years ago yeah, it's really interesting, right? Like, maybe and I it's think like wanting to really express yourself and like being able to own it, I think, too, is what people were talking about, where like someone was like, I like wasn't allowed to pierce my ears until I was 16 or something. And now, you know, at 47, I can pierce whatever I want, whenever I want. No one's telling me I can't. And there's something kind of exciting about being like, I'm going to modify my body. <laughs> Like weird little middle-aged like, thrills, you know? And it it's is like, you know, it's not, thrill. you know, yes. it's not like dangerous, like a tattoo or a piercing. It's like, like you said, it's like a, it's within the confines, but it also feels like it's pushing something or like you're making a statement to the world in some little way too. Like, definitely. This is are. who I am. And especially depending, I mean, we all have, whether you're a mom or not a mom or whatever, like you always feel like constrained by something into like, what whatever box you think the world has put you into you know whatever that is and honestly at any age but I think when you get into your like middle later 30s and your 40s you're just like fuck it like fuck the box like I'm so over the box <laughs> like I'm so yeah. over all the things that I like like for me anyway I will speak for myself like whether that's an outward thing or just like an expression of self with my personality or whatever it's like I'm sick of stuffing away certain parts to be like likable or like, I don't know the things you, we had to conform to in Conformity. our jobs and like, and like be a certain way because you needed to be pleasing and yes, not ruffle feathers or, you know, like as a woman, like just all those, I don't know. There's like layer psychological layers to it, but also you're just like, it's fucking fun and it looks cool. And I also like, like it. Yeah, I think totally it's multi-layered like that. And I think it's there is something about like crying out to express yourself, which this does. And like speaking for myself, I feel like I 
1000% like want to try to telegraph like literally that I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Like yeah. no joke. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm like the more ear piercings I have, you may see me like in a J crew short and like Birkenstocks and a t-shirt, but like my ears would indicate my true level of yes. coolness. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I want to be like deep down I'm actually cool I it might not seem like it at first glance but I mean I think the other thing too is like well you, you are know, cool our, but I get it it's you. like that but you know what I mean I, mean, I think like, also just as we get older yeah. you're just like I'm still fucking cool man like it, that did yeah. not go away like I'm not really you had kids to. or I got I'm 45 like whatever it's like it's like yeah and not caring I, what people think I think is really yes. part of it too because I think yes. like definitely in your 20s as a woman you're kind of like if, well, I don't know. I think I'd be like, well, I would just think more about what other people maybe thought about like piercing my piercings or my tattoos or like what guys would might maybe would think. And in fact, like, I actually don't think my like Southern husband is like, he did you know, he doesn't care. I was like, I got a third hole. And he's like, good for you. Like he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't care. But like, you know, I think if anything, it's not like really, it's a little bit like man repellery where it's like, I don't think a lot of guys are like, yes, I love your tats. I mean, maybe some, but like, I love your tats. I love your millions of piercings, but it's like, well, I don't care. It's not for you. It's for me. And I think that is maybe like why in our forties, we're more prone to being like, yeah, I don't care what anyone thinks about this. Not a single fucking soul. I do don't give care. one fuck. And I mean, the hand tattoos, I'm super into. Like, I've been looking at Zoe Kravitz's. Obviously, Harry mm, is yeah. a t- tattoo icon. Well, of course. So, yeah, I just feel but like... Zoe like, has good ones. Haley Biebs has good hand really ones. good ones. Yeah, um, she does. They're good. And um, what do you feel... How do you feel? Because I actually don't care, but I was telling this to friends... Speaking of midlife crises, at an Alanis Morissette concert, and they, I know they, how was it? Was it so good? It was iconic, and like I know the word "epic" is so pathetic, but it was truly epic. But I was talking about my desire for hand tattoos, and one of my friends was like, "Yeah, but then when you get old, I'm like, guess what? When I get old, I'll still be the coolest bitch in the nursing home, and that'll still be apparent." <laughs> my wrinkly my ass hands. <laughs> yeah, like I don't really care about that. I aspect mean, of it. So have you gotten that I'd... comment? I haven't, but like, I'm definitely not going to, if I like the, the amount of fucks that I give right now, Oh my God. by the time I, if I hopefully get to live in, in like healthy and vibrant and, um, 80, like I'm yeah. definitely not going to care that my definitely hand is wrinkly. I'll just be like, I still got magic, baby. Exactly. And like, it'll, it'll be a story to tell. And it's like, well, I'm still that person. Right. I mean, I'm still yeah. that person. I mean, guarantee you'll still be fangirling about some bullshit I'll when I'm 80. Still be 12 on the inside. <laughs> like, did it when I was seven, and I will be doing it when I'm 70. Like, yeah. I'm, I mean, listen, it's like we are who we are. And that, I mean, whatever. I don't know how they're, are they just going to like transplant things into our brains in 40 years? I don't know how the content will get to me, but I know I will be consuming it and obsessing about it in some manner. Yes, and it's actually amazing. at my Golden I mean, Girls house, maybe with you in a Golden Girls house. In our, I, mean, go- I do not want to wish. House. I mean, Daniel can live in the guest house. I don't want to wish house. death upon anyone. But <laughs> I, I don't if, I'm, if I am like, widowed, <laughs> I mean, I don't want Daniel to go anywhere. But like, or, you know, like, or maybe, you come stay at my Golden Girls house for the yeah, winter, or like know. the winter is a snowbird situation. Actually, yeah. my across the street neighbor and close friend now is ninety three. 
she and I read the same books oh and discuss God. them. And she oh is God. truly 93 year old goals. Like she just outpaced me. Like I shared a book with her and I had to finish another one first. And then like her daughter-in-law is like, I'm coming to return the book from Tula. I was like, what? She's finished. And she was like, oh, oh yeah, she's God. finished. And she's going to type up like her thoughts and review on it. Uh, and I'm like, she's just so- <laughs> 100% like what we strive to be at 93 oh, and then she- some. Did she read The View as exhausting? She did not read The View as exhausting. Okay. I've thought about giving it to her. Um, she has read one of my favorite books that I, that I um, recommend relentlessly. It's called Nobody Will Tell You This But Me by Bess Kalb. And I've not read this. We read that and we really, really loved that. And honestly, everyone who I recommend this book to is obsessed with it. Like, it's, I, I actually told the author, um, I'm like, yeah, this book is such, it's so good for my currency because I recommend it to so many people and they all love it and like la- Wait, literally laugh and sob. And um, so it is, it is nonfiction. It is by, Bess Kalb, who is a comedy writer, she's a comedy writer on yeah, I Jimmy, know her name Jimmy for Kimmel sure. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she's she, great. I follow her on Twitter. I think she's, she's great, really funny. Yes. Yeah, she is yeah. really funny on Twitter. Um, and the book is about really like her relationship with her. It's like a love story between her and her grandma. Um, oh, and, I remember her talking about that. Okay, okay. Yes. Keep going. Sorry. Okay. Totally. And like her grandma Bobby has had this amazing life story and so it's kind of about that and then it's about kind of the like string between so it's about her and her this like amazing love story between her and her grandma bobby and anyone who's had like a very outspoken mom or grandma in their life like you know one of the chapters are so inventive like one chapter will just be like a voice a hilarious voicemail from grandma bobby or it will like the or like the chapter title will be like neiman marcus palm beach dressing room, um, <laughs> Neiman Marcus dressing room, Palm Beach, 1996. And <laughs> oh it would be like grandma Bobby's like whole thoughts on like how DF, DVF wrap dresses are like such bullshit. Um, <laughs> and like, it's so funny. And it then it's also really heartfelt. Cause it's just about like their life together. And then like the mom who's in between them. And it's really, I just, it's almost like hard to put into words, but it's just such a great book. Oh. It, like it strikes this amazing note between just really hilarious and like lighthearted, but then also like just beautiful and heartfelt too. So I cannot recommend it highly enough. Oh my, I can't. I, okay. I'm going to get it. I You're going to love it. It's a, a it's a great audiobook too. Okay. You know, I'm try. I try to get into audiobooks. I'm going to try again. You all, you always tell me and I'm like, I got to try it again. Yeah. I, why I mean, I struggle so much with an audiobook. I listen I to so did, many podcasts, I did but too. I don't know. I always did too. And I'm still very particular about them. Like I tried to listen. I mean, I don't want to like name names. I try not to yeah. say negative things. Yeah. Yeah. Books. Yeah. Of course. Of course. But of course. I tried to listen to like a popular book, um, on audible and I shit you not. The narrator sounded like Siri. Do you Mm-mm. truly nope. expect Out. me to spend 10 hours listening to like a robot <laughs> read this book that I actually really want to read? Like it yeah. sucks. Um, but, and every, and not every book is conducive. This one yeah. is because it's okay. very funny and snappy and like it lends itself it's to like audio. It's like story. Yeah. Yeah. It's like little stories. Little yeah. Things. Or like Jessica Simpson and Busy Phillips memoirs I did on audio celeb yeah. memoirs. Didn't you do Michelle Obama's too? I did. It is. It is like 
So I read li- all three of those. Have them I in just your didn't ear. listen to them. Like I read all three of those, but yeah. I loved okay. all of those books to death. Okay. And they, and they are really good. I mean, it's good when a celeb is reading it because yes. obviously they're like theatrical and good at reading. They're not Siri. <laughs> they don't sound like Siri. Yeah. I've heard um, that Mariah's audiobook is out of this world because oh, she goes like really? full, like the way you love Matt Mariah to just go off book. Wow. <laughs> you know, whose yeah. was also amazing was Ronan Farrow's Catch and Kill. Boyfriend was out here doing Russian accents, um, British I mean, accents. He was like, Mia Farrow is his mother. He you know, like he brought has a for the dramatic. It. He brought it in a way that was like he just so unabashedly went for it that like it was <laughs> you truly had to respect it. fantastic. Like you had to respect it. At first, you were like, "Is this happening?" And then you were like, "It's happening," and I'm on board. Like, am I stoned? Like, what's going on? Yes. Yes, because you just weren't expecting to get served that in like a pretty hard hitting investigative yeah, book. Like investigative uh, about Harvey Weinstein, but you got it all right. Oh and like espionage. God. And like he would be talking about the espionage in like a thick Russian accent, or I, I believe it's a Russian accent. <laughs> correct, don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was great. Oh my God. Well, the one, one of the books, I mean, we, but I feel like you're like a book influencer now. I'm trying to be. Bookstagram <laughs> is calling for you. I just uh, love it. It's so it's fun so, for me. It is. Well, you're great at like recommending books and, but we like a lot of the same books we too. Do. But one, one of our favorites from this summer, and we also don't subscribe to like, it has to be a summer read. Like this book no. just happened to come out this summer, but the, I just mentioned it earlier. The view was exhausting, which every single person I recommended it to. It's one of those two, like yes. obsessively devoured it and loved it so much. And I think Tia was the first person who mentioned it to me because she had read an early galley and she was like you're gonna love this book and so the yes. i ordered it i got like pre-ordered it and got it the day it came out but like tell tell the people what it's about because you talk to the authors too right? i talk to the authors i am in love with them they were so great they're so smart they're this wife and wife team yeah and they were just so cool and like you know had such a good conversation with them about the kind of stuff we talk about about why romance novels, well-written romance novels with heft are just the best and are so meaningful and are so underrated um, even still. But they, the book is basically about a performative slash fake celebrity romance. It's about this movie star, Wynne, who is a British Indian woman. And she enlists this kind of like international like scion playboy leo i mean just my type like give me a handsome son of a hotel who did you you cast who did you cast as leo in your mind did you cast him as someone in your mind i was feeling like a very gruff like not jason statham but like around there like i was feeling this like very um like kind of gritty sort of man I was less gritty. I think I was more like Scott Speedman-y about it. Oh, um, I like that. Oh, I really like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll take Scott Speedman in any role. But yeah, anyway, I mean, also was... I would cast him always. He's going to be in the new season of You. And he joined Instagram. Oh, and he's going to be a God. dad. It's a lot for my heart. He's one of the, one of my everythings. But oh yeah, 
It's um, about yeah, these it, two people. Yeah. And they and she's a movie star and she kind of enlists this like friend of hers, Leo, to kind of be her fake boyfriend. Um, at the times when she kind of needs him publicity wise. And like when she's having it, when her image is taking a bruising from a different relationship or a bad role or something, she kind of like taps in Leo to kind of make out with her on yachts and do, and have paparazzi setups, which totally happens in real life. And it sure does. And like, (laughs) and, but it's really kind of cool because it's like, well, according to the world, it's, it's real behind this and they're beloved like Like, supposedly fake but actually is it really real and and are their feelings for each other really real and it is a perfect summer book it's super hot it's very well written yes and it's like it also has too it feels like it's very insidery um it's very insidery and it has like heft which I really like like I love how you know, in this book or like the idea of you, which we both like live and die for. I mean, there's like, (laughs) there's deeper thoughts in it as well about like womanhood and the world. And in this case, it's sort of like when being of Indian descent in Hollywood, being a woman of color in Hollywood and having to work twice as hard. And I kind of love that she's in some ways you know, cravenly being like, yes, I am using you, Leo, instrumentally for my image. This is what I have to do and the game that I have to play in order to get ahead. And I actually have to play it 10 times harder. Yeah. And I think that like lent it this like sense of substance too. not that just like them making out on the yacht and like, you know, hooking up by pools wasn't equally thrilling for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like breezy, but it also has something to say about like the mechanism of fame and celebrity and how we consume it. And then also what it would mean to be one of the only, right? Like she talks, Wynn talks about like, she's like, but if I fuck up, like they don't give another person a chance. Like they don't give another brown woman a chance because I fuck up and the movie doesn't open well. Like that's it. She has like the weight of the the she is thinking about the people who will come after her and and that she has to walk a tightrope which which is true in Hollywood and in life for women of color and like women in general right have a different set of standards and then women of color are held to an even different set of standards and so it, it like explores that but all under like the guise of like celebrity culture and and how we think about famous couples and and fame in general and like what is worth it and like what might you have to sacrifice of your own feelings because a real relationship might be even messier this is like a thing you could control to some degree and like that aspect of control in your life and whether you're famous or not like just like letting real feelings in is scary so there's like that emotional level of it too where she has like closed herself off and he has his own you know issues too his daddy issues and his like stuff and it's just there's just like so much to it but also you like plow through this book it is delicious they're in like fabulous locations much like one of the things we love about the idea of you too is like going to fabulous places with fabulous people and like through the book through the books yeah yeah I mean sexy and like there is this like underlying heat all the time too yeah the tension of like okay so you're you're doing a staged makeout session on the tip of a yacht but then like 
you're actually kissing this person or like the real the real intriguing moment is like right after that like what do they talk about what do they say do they keep holding on to each other or don't they and I mean one of the funny things about this book is that it came out this summer during the summer of Benefer and like I you know in our Vogue story we were like yeah it's the perfect companion read to the summer yeah. Benefer, because like here is this super performative, globe trotting relationship playing out in the tabloids, yeah. and, and really they're the doing same they things exactly happening what in the they're book. Doing. And they I do think they're exactly together, and they can be totally in love. That's fine. But like, if if you think that Ben and Jen don't know exactly what the fuck they're doing, you haven't been paying attention at all and, like, times. And it is like glorious to me like I fucking yeah. love it and if anybody knows how to do it it's these two motherfuckers you know like they've been so yeah. famous for so long and I do think they wanted to and like good for fucking you on going on that yacht trip for her birthday love oh, you yeah. for it but like they knew exactly where those cameras were and they looked I mean I, again like I have some questions about Ben's outfits but and as one of my Many. friends said, when she, when Jennifer was just in um in Venice for that whole like big Dolce Gabbana like everything, she's in that oh she looks so beautiful like how is she even real? But like she was like, do you think she's shipped Ben off to get that tattoo removed yet? Oh my god! <laughs> like valid question. Has to have a shirt on all the time. Very valid question, and it like it's so true because you know I the authors said. They started working on it, I think, in like the summer of 2016. So I went and maniacally Googled like celebrity couples uh -huh. summer 2016. And because there's always like those couples every summer, right? It was like Timothy Chalamet, like dog and Lily Rose Depp. <laughs> boat, boat. Like, there's always one or like well, there's always Blake Lively. Season. There's always Yacht Season. And then there's like Blake Lively and Leo um, on city bikes, like oh, throughout, yeah. you know, Europe, like there's always these couple couples that like rise like phoenixes in the summer. Yeah. And, but that summer, you know, much to your interest was the summer of T Swift and it was the summer of Hiddle Swift. Oh, it was Hiddle and, Swift summer. Yeah. And they're super into Taylor Swift, the authors and like the way that her image has been such a huge yeah, it's almost like it's like the, the image of her and the like avatar of her and then like the real person and the artist, too. And yeah. they were kind of like, why, you know, why can't I think it was Michaela, one of the two authors who was kind of like just speaking generally about, you know, when in the book, JLo, Taylor, it's like everyone else is allowed to use and manipulate their image to their ends. So why can't they? Why shouldn't yeah. they be able to? It feels cruel that they wouldn't be able to be like, yeah, paparazzi post up at the end of that rock. And I'll be kissing Ben on this yacht. We're like, I mean, I guess now it's like, it's either that or it's just a selfie that you post. But, you know, of course, their personal lives are like part of the whole image that they're projecting. Yeah. And in, and and now, in the book, it really like is symbiotic, right? Where it's like, yeah, when things are on the up and up between her and Leo, she like gets a role, you know, no spoilers. But like your public perception of these people does hinge of course not just on their work but like what the yeah. people like and us weekly version of them is them. yeah totally well you know like another book I read this summer and I was so late on it <clears throat> it also has like hints of like the fame but it's I finally read Daisy Jones and the Six 
Oh my God. And, I couldn't get into it. Go ahead. Tell me. Okay. So interesting. Okay. So I didn't read it for a minute because it, it obviously, um, takes a lot of inspiration from Stevie Nicks and, uh, Lindsay Buckingham's relationship. So this book just oh. so it, it's, um, it's set in like, you know, 60s, 70s, like, um, rock and roll. Daisy Jones is kind of a Stevie Nicks type person. Um, it's written like an oral history of um, this tumultuous band that was like a huge success, obviously fictional. It's Taylor Jenkins Reid, who had a huge book this summer, Malibu Rising, that I also read. And so I read Malibu Rising and then people had told me to read Daisy Jones. And I think it was one of Reese's picks. And and I know they're making it into a show and Riley Keough is starring in it. And I'm super into that. Oh, that's so, a good casting. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, though. I think I like avoided it because I was like, well, there's no way this can like live up to like my imagined like Stevie and yeah and Lindsay and like this fracture and a band. And I was so fucking obsessed. I can't believe I didn't read it before. I will like and I never was like, oh, I hate this. I don't want to read. I just like just avoided it, you know, and and. I read it after Malibu Rising and I loved it so much. I can't wait for the show. Like I was so engrossed in it. I loved the way she told the story as like an oral history. And you kind of learn about who's who's writing the story later. But it's, you know, Daisy is this like beautiful. She's she's like a rich girl from L.A., but like a beautiful fucked up so talented, like raw voice, like singing. And then like the six is this band and the lead guy in the six, they have this like chemistry, but like he's married and like, there's this, will they or won't they to it? But then like his wife is a really important character. Like, and then like how the band and how the band gets fucked up and how they come together and become Daisy Jones and the six. And then this like one perfect album that they do and then how it all falls apart and it's basically and they talk about like the this rolling stone cover that they do or whatever it's like got those like almost famous vibes and like she has a drug problem like he has a drug problem like like all the stuff of like rock and roll um but i loved how well drawn the characters were and it becomes like very much daisy doesn't isn't stevie and he isn't Lindsay. so mm. like but there is that way of like the way fleetwood mac broke up and came together and all the different relationships within that band and like Christine McVie and McFlee with not just Stevie and Lindsay and like their chaotic relationship, but like that whole band, there's so much drama there. So, but it felt like its own thing. Like I, I didn't feel like I was like it, it didn't feel like it was trying to tell like that story. It was like its own story. So I got very into it. Like I, Oh, yeah, I don't know why I didn't this read it before. Is, it's like really hits my sweet spot. So it didn't make any sense that I wouldn't be reading about this beautiful, like hippie, like rolling around with her, like in the canyon, like with her braless, like little top and whatever. It's like my dream life. I don't know why I wasn't reading it before, but I did like it. So you tried to get into it and you couldn't get into it? Well, now you're selling me on it because I trust you implicitly. Um, but you know what, actually to your earlier point, I have only struck out in the Taylor Jenkins read canon because I try to listen to them. And actually some people are like, wait, but listening to Daisy Jones is amazing because there's this great cast. And I think Jennifer Beale is Daisy. Um, but for whatever reason, 
I couldn't get into it. And the same thing, I tried to listen to The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and also couldn't get into it. But So I have that on my stack. I haven't read it I yet. feel like I have to actually perhaps paper read them because like not every book works as an audiobook. And I think probably Daisy Jones is one that does. But for me, it's not. And I think I have to read it. A few people who are also like the idea of you heads told me that Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is like one of the only other books that they feel as strongly about as they do the idea of you. And I love that premise. Like the premise of that book is a journalist getting this like big coveted interview with like a huge kind of I don't know, like Vivian Lee type iconic, yeah. like silver, you know, silver screen star and then, ha- or, or Liz Taylor rather. And then going through like all of her husbands, like the yeah. stories, the tales of all the husbands, which I think is a great premise. I need to, I need to get the paper books and like sit there with them and get through them. I think sometimes when a book is really hyped, it, Im- it impacts, or a show is really I, hyped. It just impacts I my, sometimes I, sometimes I go I the opposite. It. Sometimes yeah, I go I contrarian. I think it's so interesting because sometimes I'll get all in on something. It's weird. My brain obviously is a fucking mess, but like, I'll be like, yeah, like why the fuck aren't you watching Ted Lasso? And then like, sometimes <laughs> something's popular and it's like, I don't want to be like everybody else. You know, well, like I, there's yeah. no rhyme or reason sometimes to why I'm like, well, if everybody's doing it, like, then I don't want to do it. And then sometimes I'm like, what's wrong with you? Everyone loves this book or this or show like if or whatever, everyone, or this song. It feels like if, quote unquote, everyone slash media Twitter is all obsessed with something and then talks about it so much, so much, so much. And then I, you know, finally get around to it and I'm expecting it based on all of that hype and attention to just be so 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 good and I then know. I'm like our it's weird fine. bubble it's totally like fine weird bubble that we live in it's yeah so- and I think <laughs> our honestly, brains are so broken they are and I'm like I- I'm trying to just experience if you if you try to experience something in a vacuum and not um based on like other how other people feel about it then it's it can be kind of a mind fuck and that does happen with books and I wonder I've wondered if that was the case with some of with Daisy Jones or seven husbands, but I have to just, I'm, I'm not willing to give up on them yet, but yeah. But that so being what else said, did you love? what else did you love? So, you know, what else I love that I don't think you've read yet, but again, our, your friend turned my friend, Allison and I were just talking about it the other night, which is the paper palace. And oh, I have it from her. I, she gave yes. me a stack of stuff that she had read. We like swapped uh, stacks the other day. And the Paper Palace is a Reese's pick and it is on the like very high in the bestseller list and has been. So sometimes, so it has that like aura of hype around it. Which by the way, I love. And also Reese picked fucking Seven Days in June. Like it's like she I'm not anti that. No, it's like I'm that's not what I'm saying. There's no rhyme or reason to like no. why I get no, there into really or isn't. not into something. There really isn't. Like just occasionally sometimes when a book is like super popular I assume that it's like really really good and it isn't um the seven days in June is one of the best books of the summer like I mean truly obsessed with it but the paper palace did live up to all the hype I think it was just such a glorious perfect summer read certain books are I mean this would be a great read at any time but like to sit on the beach and read this book it takes place on Cape Cod Mm. And there's a lot of like diving into ponds and oh, and yes. like sexual tension at beaches. And so like it feels very of the moment. 
And it's really just like a virtual trip to this like family kind of waspy compound on the Cape. Like it's nothing fancy, but it's like a bunch of cottages on the Cape and they go there every summer and the different pieces of family lore. And at the heart of it, there is this torturous love triangle, which mm. once I heard that, I was like, I'm, <gasps> I'm in. I'm, I'm in. Is there, is there angst involved? Sign there me is up. so much angst Unrequited involved. love and angst and pain. Yes. Yes, no spoilers. It's, you know, it's a one of the men in the love triangle is Jonas and he is like the boy that L, the protagonist grows up with um on the cape mm. and seeing him every summer. And then the other per- member of the triangle is her husband, who is like an amazing British guy in his own right and is, you know, comes into her life at just the right time and has this like really important place in the family ecosystem. And so it is this like torturous, it is this torturous triangle. And there is some like, I don't want to give away anything else. I was just going to say something about clandestine. I won't even say anything else. But but I would say if you haven't read The Paper Palace yet, read it in these like last days and weeks of summer because it is like it will go down as one of those like great mm. books to just read on the beach or by the pool oh i love this i have to yeah it's i, I have it on my stack i gotta get i gotta get back on my books i was like like I powering know. through books and then i got like distracted i never got to read my policeman yet which i bought <laughs> which i bought because talk about fucking angst yeah Jesus so obviously Christ. you know we have to read the source material for the harry movie but I have not, I bought it on your rec and I haven't gotten to read it yet, but it's sitting here on my That'll be a good fall read for you. Oh, okay. Because it's like Brighton, you know, so you're like coastal, like England, but like a chill, like a gray chill, you know? chill in the air. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it'll and be great because I, I can just cast talk. Harry there's a love the triangle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You'll just see him, and it works, and it's like yeah. A, again, a love triangle. Um, a lot of unrequited and unexpressed love, in part oh, due to God. like homophobia, and oh, I mean, like I hurt in my oh body my <laughs> like, That's but in the wild. way that you like love. But I was just like. Oh, everything. Oh, everything hurts. Like my chest just felt like heavy. I had to like just sit for a minute because I was like, I'm sad. But you know, in the way you want to be. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We got Harry Styles in a police in a Bobby uniform. (laughs) And bathing suit. So number one. um, And like a bathing suit. Like he swims. He like teaches. Oh, her God. how to swim goodbye i'm out <laughs> goodbye <laughs> bye i'm excited oh, i'm to sorry read, he's at a pool and at the ocean bye what i can't wait to read it no i i have it here and i very much looking forward to reading it good to know that it's a good fall yeah i feel like it'll be i think that's that'll be good because it is like that there's just like there's something in the britishness of it that feels right for fall um well, yes and then, and then we'll be brushing up for the film version, which is necessary. Yes. Yes, of course. Um, speaking of British people, I feel like speaking we should, we should, British we people. should update on, cause we, we talked about the Royals the last time you were here and it we feels like it's been always. like, 
like you just wrote another piece recently about like what do William and Kate do next? And like we were talking about how yes. it feels like there's been like a shift, even in like the Royals coverage, like the breathless coverage. Not, I mean, the tabloids are going to tabloid. Like that's goes without saying. And obviously the British tabloids are a whole different level than like American tabloids, even with these people. But like, I don't know, there's been this like palpable to me, like palpable shift since the Oprah interview, since like all that stuff came out and then, you know, like Harry's doing his memoir, which, oh my God, oh we'll have to God, have a whole wait. episode about that. You'll have to come and Auto- do a That's whole- an audiobook. I mean, if that man That's is a reading to me, absolutely. Yeah. Ugh, I love his deep He's got British a great voice. voice. Yeah. I he mean, has when a great he, when, voice. When she, when they did their like Christmas um, Archwell podcast. I was like, they both have great radio. Oh, and Megan has like a beautiful speaking voice. Very like a very, that, It's very soothing. Like she could do like a calm app. They could both do like a calm app situation, and I would absolutely. be in absolutely. And it was so cute when she was like, "Oh, say that again. It really sounds really cute with your accent." I know, because I, I mean, like, does wouldn't you do that all the time? Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. just say it again with your accent, please. Oh my god! Yes, um, I would. So. Yeah, like so tell so so it's kind of like what are William and Kate doing? Like maybe they're now there's like maybe they're gonna move to Windsor. Like Yeah. It was kind talk of to a, me. Yeah, it was kind of inspired by the stories about them reportedly weighing a move to Windsor where the Queen is reportedly everything's so yeah. not confirmed in that world, but like where she's supposedly going to be based most of the time um, after the summer, after the summer and the August very tweety trip to Balmoral. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess it's like, if they're, you know, I think basically that and our, and our conversation and just the observation that they're in this kind of transitional post Harry and Meghan post Prince Philip place where, you know, I feel like the whole, young royal order was for a hot second harry and megan and will and kate then harry and megan you know resigned as senior royals obviously peaced and now kind of that mantle is false to them and the queen is also i mean 95 although as we said she's basically a spring chicken as far as we're concerned but (laughs) You know, but she's a widow, so and and Philip had been retired from public yeah. life, so it's not like he was like out doing things. But she is now a widow for the first time in I think like seventy years, and it's kind of a reminder that like there is a succession here, and like the these things like the 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 line of succession kind of like got drawn into sharper focus, and it's a reminder that you know Charles is going to ascend in a empirically, you know within the next decade and that will and you know will will then become I guess the prince of wales and he will be like he will be the like next in line guy and their family will be i think really even though prince charles is the monarch in that point right like i think they're gonna be the ones you know it's like they're the ones who are like young and no matter what you think about them they're kind of like the ones who have like all this time ahead of them and they have a, fa- a young family and they're 39 and almost 40 years old 
And like, they're the future of this family and of this institution. But I think it's also, as we know, when we talked about last time, they're in the post-Oprah worlds, I think somewhat bruised, at least to some people, you know, and like it didn't, I don't think the interview was great for them because, you know, Harry's talking about how he feels his brother's trapped. And I think more than that, though, when they were talking about how she's seeking help for mental health issues and suicidal ideation and saying that they didn't really get support, you know, they didn't, what they didn't say was that like, Will and Kate were like right there with us supporting us, right? Like they never, we don't know, but we never heard that they were advocates and they were huge supporters. We kind of just heard that the family broadly wasn't really there. I don't think that that interview kind of boded that well for like any of the remaining family members, them included. And so how do they go from here about making themselves lovable in the way that I think like Harry and Meghan were to so many people. And one of the ways I think is that they, they have, and when, what do you think too? Because I think we've talked about a little bit, but haven't they gotten a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more like cheeky and playful? Like they have, they launched a YouTube channel and they are, you know, being a little bit more emotional and affectionate. Whereas like they used to not really touch. Yeah. To to the extent that they will, I mean, and again, it's like they're British and they're royals and they're in this like, you know, yeah. um, And there were times when they were younger, obviously, that it was like more affection probably was shown. And like, I mean, I love when people discover the pictures of them like partying and stuff. I'm like, yeah, they were like real people. They like had fun, you know? Um, Yeah. But I do think, I mean, even just calling their Instagram now, like Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and like writing a few more like quote unquote personal captions or like William, you know, it's like with Euro cup, like, um, you know, with, with the football, AKA soccer, the, the, the football, yeah. The footy, um, you know, like him tweeting more and like they took George who obviously was like very excited to go, even though he looked like a little, little statesman in his little suit. Poor guy. Um, <laughs> And just wear, like, buddy just wear a just jersey. Wanted jersey. <laughs> like, He's like, can I just wear a fucking jersey? Can I just wear my England jersey, man? Jesus. Um, you know, I, I feel like he could have, but I think in the royal box, like you might have baby. to have a coat on. <laughs> He's so guys, so cute though. He's so cute. Like they're the kids are so cute, and that's a huge, you know, and not to like they are children, and I know they love their children and all of that, but like from a PR perspective, like little glimpses at that stuff with the kids is good for them. Like image wise, because it is, I do think that they love their children very much and like try to give them an amount of normalcy in their home that I do not think William and Harry got. I think what Diana wanted for them, but like, you know, I do think William is from what I can gather a much more present father than his own was, you know, like in in the day to day of parenting those children. And yes, they have nanny and help and all these things. Nanny Maria, of course, but like Maria. Yep. Um, I do think that he's a much more, and that's like part generational and part, you know, I think learning from what they experienced and, and whatever. But, you know, I do think they've gotten a little more relaxed and trying to be a little more personal because a, I think there's no way they had to not see that 
that worked very well for Harry and Meghan. And I, right. and I think that is much more in Harry and Meghan's nature anyway. And like we've always said, William has some different constraints around him from that kind of stuff because he's in the, you know, the next in or third in line, whatever. Um, but it's like, guys, this is how 39 and 40 year olds act on the internet. Like you've got to loosen up a little bit. Totally. Like you have to. Yeah. And I think that is a Harry and Meghan effect. I do. I think like they did see that it worked well for them. And I, and I think it's true. You cannot do, as we always issue the disclaimer, you can't do just the kind of flat comparison between someone who is the straight up heir to the throne. I think part of it, like, I mean, I said in the story, I was like, they're a more reserved couple, whether. Yeah. Nature, and they're, whether I think their natures nature, might be that yeah, way too. You know, totally. like it's like whether by people are different or by necessity or maybe a little bit of both. Like, they're not, I think, as like maybe warm and fuzzy and like naturally outgoing. Like they don't maybe have the same way with people as to like crouch down and like nuzzle nose to nose with a child. Yeah. That, like Prince Harry does, which is so fucking cute. Oh, um, my heart. My but heart. I do think that they, you know, I think that they saw that it worked well. And I think they kind of, you know, in my mind, like they, their job is in terms of the firm and the family business is to like, ensure survival and you have to change with the times in order to survive so like i really felt the youtube i felt the i'm like as a grandma i felt the youtube but (laughs) the the youtube like trailer that they did was very like cheeky a lot of outtakes a lot of like giggles and i think and i think that's good i think that's great and i think like it is good for them and it is it is good to kind of show that side and and in a certain sense, I do think that they're having to do some damage control. I mean, I'm biased by my, I think, you know, personal love and fascination with Harry and Meghan. Yeah. Um, but I did, I come from a foundation of also being, you know, obsessed and fascinated with Kate Middleton as well. Yeah, and, and I sure remain, do. And I remain yes. very fascinated. Yes. Um, so I think like... They're probably in damage control mode and it's interesting to think about where they will go from here because they do have to step it up in terms of their, I guess, working, working roles. Yeah. And the pandemic has allowed some regrouping time. So like, not that they haven't done things and they have, but like they have not been on like a normal, like schedule of engagements, you know, Yeah, as no one in the world has, you know, out of the Royal family. And I know the summer is like always. And I think that's on purpose. I think so too. Um, I think it's like, I think it's like, forget we exist. We're going to continue to exist, but forget we exist. And we'll be back at our leisure um, to rule over you. Yes. And, and, and then I'm interested to see, you know, like Omid, they did like a new part of the book and finding freedom with Omid Scobie. He's like a Royal reporter. Um, and, you know, this new era of visibility that Meghan and Harry are going to venture into, which we've been waiting for, and I think would have happened much sooner were it not for a global pandemic, obviously. But it will be interesting to see how they approach this next, like, phase of their public-facing lives, too, in a yeah. way that they can control it differently. They are in control of it, but they do want to 
And again, like you and I have always said this, like Megan and Harry never said they didn't want to be public figures. They oh just wanted, it makes me insane. I'm like, they never wild. said that. They said they wanted a measure of control over that. And I think that is fair. Um, but they literally yeah. didn't say we want to move away and never come out in public again and never do anything. They like literally never said that. Like yeah, quite the opposite. Case, she was like, I'm, I for sure want to be in public, but I would just appreciate being in public without like racist abuse yeah. lobbed at me on the daily. Yeah. Um, I think crazy that like, it's crazy how it's, she wanted that. It's so crazy, but I think it's so, yeah, it is. It, it chafes me so much that people are like, well, you said you wanted privacy. It's like, no, they never said they were going to be underground hermits. Let's, let's be real. Yeah. Um, they just said that they wanted to be free from abuse and not basically like kind of trapped in an antiquated system. Yeah. Um, and I think we always felt that, right? Like, yeah. not to, I did not soothsay this. I never really thought that, I did not think that they would leave the family. I did not believe it when those reports I didn't either. I was like, you guys, come on. Hollywood life. I was like, I don't think so, guys. So, like, I'm not going to ever, you know, claim that I did. But we did always say that they would kind of, like, float away from the family a little and, like, occupy the, like, Obama. Obama space. Space. And, like, I thought that they would do that while still remaining in the family. In the family, yeah. And it's, I think, the family's loss that they couldn't have just, like, given them that leeway. But, like, I always thought, you know, that they would be capitalizing on the like amount of fame and affection there is for them by doing you know even when he was in the family harry had that tv deal with oprah you know so it also chafes chafes me how much it chafes people that they're like doing books and doing shows and stuff it's like it's like why do you care i mean if you don't want to consume that content by all means don't oh don't i I will voraciously well then these are the same people that are like they just live off the british taxpayers it's like well now they're trying to make their own money and you're mad like yeah and now they're not so what do you want them to do just like evaporate into the ether i I don't get it like there's no way like either of them can unfamous themselves. Like he has no. been one of the most famous people on the planet since before he was even born and had a name. Like and when like, he was in the womb, like it's not like you can become not famous, you yes. know? And, since and like, and also they want to do blanket. work. He's been they, famous. Yeah. He's been like famous they, since the doily and yeah. he'll be famous for life. For Period. life. And then like he, and you know, and they can, they can craft that in a different way as they see fit but like it's and they actually want to do good things so like Except, why is everybody so that's mad? exactly what I was just gonna say like to be honest it's not like they are like you know and I and I don't really begrudge anyone getting their money to be honest but like it's not Me like either. it's not like they're like you know doing like supplement sponsored ads on Instagram <laughs> yeah, like faux science or doing like, like cheesy you know a a cheesy like reality show about themselves that would literally kill it they're doing stuff that's like about the Invictus games they're doing stuff that is about like black and women and girls mental health you know they're doing a lot like all they're aiming to do is to do well and like you know you know I think that like his whole you know talking about mental health and her too I think her I think and I can't speak to it personally but I think like her as a biracial woman being out there talking about like her mental health struggle was really seminal because there are a lot of people who, and just like this perception that I, that I can gather that like, you know, from Naomi Osaka and, and others talking about it and Simone Biles, that it's like, 
you know, black and women of color are supposed to just like shut up and weather everything. Be and, strong. And you it's know? like be super strong. And it's like, well, guess what? Human beings like don't have to adhere to that. And I think he as a man and like a military guy and just like a guy being so honest about his is is also like really huge and has like just provide provides a reference point for, for like other guys and talking about mental health. And I feel like just to your point, like they're act people are acting like they're the worst people alive when it's like there are so many worse people. There are actual monsters out here, like doing monstrous <laughs> like, things. It's like have you guys met co- the Republican Congress. <laughs> Like, seriously. They're, they're like in Montecito being like, we want everyone to be well. And everyone's like, we hate you. <laughs> they're like, fuck you. Like, fuck you're you. like, how dare you? We want people to be represented and we want people to have feel good about themselves. How yeah. dare you? How, how dare you? you? Yeah. It's so, really kind of weird. It's wild. It's like, it's wild what a, like, how divided people can become <laughs> about them. Like, and yeah, of course, so that just makes them. me staunchly so like, like, I'm never not going to like, well, not never. I mean, God forbid they, but like, I'm never, I've always been on their side, but it just makes me dig my heel, my stubborn ass heels in deep, even deeper and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, I again, know. be ambivalent, be like, I don't give a fuck what they do. Great. That's an absolutely normal reaction, right? To like, not give a shit what they do is fine but to be so angry about it is like where i get so confused i wonder like what did megan markle ever do outside of like being a black woman but like what (laughs) why does she make you so mad i know i really wonder if it's just that like they are actually just totally succeeding at what they set out to do like they left they do not appear to regret it at all they're basically thriving as far as i could tell and they're making it work and it's almost like that just runs counter to people who would be rooting against them and wanting you know i feel like when they left the family organization i know they don't like it when people say like they left the family because they didn't leave their family they left the The, like the business the institution the business but like i think people were like oh he's gonna regret it now like or wait till you get into the real world or something like that and it's like well I think they're actually fine. They're just yeah. on PCH. They're in Montecito. <laughs> they are at Oprah's. They're writing books, which anyone would do. And they're trying and to also, do good yeah, things. Yeah. Don't act like, you know, that, oh, they spilled the family. It's like, you know what? When your family treats you like shit, you don't have to sit down and be quiet, especially if the press is talking about it all the time. They are allowed to have a voice. And if the other people want to come back with their voice, they can too. Like, Everybody is free to speak their truth to whatever degree they are allowed to in the firm. I don't, you know, that's their business, but like people are allowed to tell their stories, man. It's their story and they can tell it if they want to. And you can decide whether you want to listen to it or not. But like, frankly, I don't, you know, it's like haters going to hate, but like good for them. Like, I mean, and again, I know why they're not showing us pictures of the baby. I know. And I respect it. And but that's where the what, privacy would, does. Would I, would I kill to see a picture of the baby? Of course I would. But if, I also understand why they're not. And that is absolutely their decision. And it should always be their decision, you know? Like, yeah. And I think that's where the privacy comes in. And that's actually not different 
from a lot of celebrities who I'm forgetting a celebrity like wrote an op- wrote a letter this week about not wanting to show their kids. Was it Blake? I know Blake. Well, Gigi, well, Bla- about it. Gigi, Gigi wrote um, an Instagram post recently because oh, she was like, yeah. Because uh, this is Gigi Hadid, for those of you who don't just first name basis with the Hadid sisters, um, <laughs> who is with Zayn Malik, formerly of a little band called One Direction. And they have a daughter named Kai. And she wrote something earlier this summer about, you know, we want to be able to show her. They live in New York City and then on like the the like Hadid family, like farm compound upstate which I'm always like, oh, please, it looks so gorgeous. But they that she was like, you know, we want to take like the the cover down on her stroller sometimes. So she's getting older. We want her to see the world. The world. Like, can you kind of like back off paparazzi Mm -hmm. and not like shoot her into the like in the stroller? And, you know, she was just like, please. Like and she doesn't they sometimes show the back of her head or her hands or her little chubby little baby legs you know but mm-hmm. they have like chosen they are both so famous and and maybe to like certain segments of you know like an older generation they're like who it's like but they've got tens of millions of I don't know Gigi's probably got like 60 million followers or whatever they've got yeah. you know and like they're allowed to decide that and and like and then again on the flip side you know there are people who call the paps and want their kids shot and that that's a whole other story but like you know that is like, I get it. I mean, I don't have kids, but I wouldn't, I can understand that. Of course you want to protect them. And like, yeah. Yeah. And like, I think Harry and Megan, when they're asking for privacy or not sharing photos of their daughter, that is completely in line with like Kristen yeah. Bell and Dak Shepard or like, yeah. like Lively and Ryan Reynolds have also talked about it. And like, yeah. I think Kristen and Dax have like done like open letters being like, please don't run children. and. And then I know from working, you know, at magazines where it's like, even then, if the paparazzi does do it, it's always up to yeah. the outlet to run it. And I mean, I guess there's always going to be like seedy, gross outlets that do, but they're really, I mean, for kids, for minors, for all Yeah, kids, when they're really, not taking them know, to a public event, it's like, they're yeah. not, if they're on the red carpet, that's like a whole different situation because that is a choice the parent has made. Like, they know what's happening there, right? Right. And it's also like, a more controlled environment. And they have made that decision. And like, again, it's not to judge anyone's decision about that. It's just like, that is their decision and it should be their decision. And like, yeah. Harry and Meghan should be afforded the same thing. Like, anyone can choose whether or not they put their children on Instagram. Like, whether you're famous or not. And like, either do it or don't do it like it's fine whatever but just yeah. like uh you know I, I mean we even give privacy to like presidential kids who are like yeah. in their early 20s or in college right remember like it was like do not do not like track the bush twins at ut like that's fucked up yeah um, that's fucked up or, like, it's fucked up for any of them the obamas Chelsea, right and the like, obama girls yeah. yeah and when they did do it when I think, you know, when people were like, how dare Malia like smoke a cigarette and live? It was like, how dare you actually infringe upon her privacy? It's not her fault that um, like none of these people are famous. Like they're not right. Honey, they're not honey boo boo. So like they don't need to like <laughs> be photographed. And I feel like that would actually be so anguishing and so oh. horrible. But I guess there's just on, you know, non empathetic people who are like, whether it's Harry and Meghan or any of them, they're just like, well. You signed up for this. 
Um, wait, one, I, I was going to say, what else before, is there anything else on your mind? Oh, you know what I was going to say? Our new favorite boyfriend who's young. Oh, yeah, But yes. not too young. So <laughs> as I said, Michelle and I, like a younger man, an older man, if you listen to our last episode, <laughs> oh, we right. were David hot Schiffer. for David Strait there, <laughs> who was in don't his discriminate. 70s. But what I forget. Oh, because I think I put a picture in the newsletter. Oh, because yes. I was talking. OK, so I was talking about because, of course, I've watched all three of the Kissing Booth movies, which are not Netflix's best like teen film work. But I did watch them all. And they have a, a gentleman in them named Jacob Elordi. If you don't know who he is, he's also in Euphoria. He plays a very um, unlovable person in that show which is a dark, dark show that I love. But in The Kissing Booth, it's it's a much, um, you know, he's a popular guy in high school and then goes to college. But he is actually 24, so don't, no Benson and Stabler necessary here. Right, but he everybody is calm down. Beautiful. He is <laughs> six, five, six, Ugh. five. So I put, I put a picture in the newsletter one day because I was talking about Kissing Booth and he he dates Kaya Gerber who's Cindy Crawford and Randy Gerber's daughter who looks just like her mother and is like a burgeoning supermodel herself and and as I said I was like and he just he can wear a pair of pants like like nobody's biz I can't with this guy I actually <laughs> I actually exclusively I have not watched him in anything I only have watched him on Kaya Gerber's Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And like, there's one, I, he first came on my radar when she wished him a happy birthday. Oh, with the photo in bed? He was in bed and I was like, nope. excuse me, who is this? <laughs> yeah. um, and I think we were both just discussing how, you know, like working in magazines and like being at some red carpets in our day, you get to see, and junkets, you get to see some celebrities and you know we know acutely that so many celebrity males are lucky if they crack 510 <laughs> luck like if they're and a day they, let's be honest they don't i mean they're five there's a lot of five there's a lot of five seven five eights i feel around. like i stare like eye into eye with like you know many of them i was just very surprised as like a young yeah i'm five nine if i'm not wearing a heel so if i have like a pretty good heel on like i might be six feet tall like you probably really tower over a lot of them but i like i was really just surprised by like how diminutive yeah um, even like brad you know brad pitt he's small um so when you see like a tall man like an actual tall tall like jacob elordi he is so mm. tall, and there is one pair, one picture of him in pants <laughs> that pants. demands to be acknowledged. I it will put it back on Instagram. Demands to be acknowledged. Demands. How, are these a sort of kind of retro work pant? It kind how of would we is. describe this? It does feel like a retro work pant, and he's just so long <laughs> and tall. It like reminds me of the pants that like Ryan Gosling and the little guy Eric from Entourage wore in like the beginning of the notebook. <laughs> Like that kind of like, yes. you know, Charleston it's like a bit of a higher waist, pant, you know, except, it's like a bit of a higher waist. Yeah. And like, I think on anyone, uh, these pants would look very foolish, but not, uh, not Jacob Elordi. Let me tell you. So yeah, like if you need to add another like vaguely inappropriate, well, I mean, maybe you're, 
it's not an age inappropriate for you if you're no. a, a young person listening to the show, but like for the rest of us kind of coven of psychos types, this one it's really one to add to the yeah. To the rep- just, oh, he's Australian in real it's life too. Great to see a man of actual stature. Yeah, just like no you're offense. like, oh, I forget. It's like, and all these other people, handsome, handsome, love it. It's it's kind of the Ben Affleck thing too. He's an actual tall person. Like, yes. You know, and you can sense that. You're like, oh, you're tall, you're broad. There is something to it's that. It's not camera magic. It's not the magic it's of not, Hollywood. It's not a you're lift. actually a strapping leading man it's actually novel and there's something hot about it and also i mean his face is beautiful but it's the it's the stature of him that really really gets me i'm gonna watch the kissing booth trilogy bad or good yeah just watch it i'm gonna be i'm gonna be consuming it i'm shocked that i haven't i know it's surprising yeah very surprising it just the third one just came out so you're you know you're right on it um going to be getting on that so yeah that's that's a little gift we'll leave you guys with today if you don't know jacob alordi like do a little google image search i don't think you're going to be mad about it check out kaya gerber's instagram like you know good for you kaya gerber like you know uh, not that good for you with the the genetics you have and she seems to be a nice kid yeah we don't uh, hate you at all you're great i love kaya gerber i mean she's literally like her mother reincarnated and i live for cindy so you know Good for you. She's she's going to be acting now. So anyway, that's that's a Michelle's and I my gift to you all, Jacob Alordi. Um, Michelle, tell everyone again where they can find you on the on the on social the, media on the web um, on, the, on the world wide web on the world wide web. I'm at Michelle Ruiz on Twitter, and I'm at Mish Andrews, um, my alias on on Instagram. <laughs> it's not her finsta it's really her (laughs) it's really me it's really me um thank you for coming on again i can't wait for you to come back when we fun i'll see you um, see you next time johnny (laughs) thanks joan (laughs) love ya i'll be right back oh my god Thank you so much to Michelle for coming back on the show. It's always so much fun. I also got to see her in real life when I was in New York. So that was very nice. We had like a real podcast friend uh, moment was Lori Bergamato, Tia Williams, Michelle Ruiz, Alexis Duresta, and me. All had like a nice, wonderful lunch together that Lori hosted. It was so lovely. I mean, those are like some of my closest friends, but also they've all been on this show. So you all kind of know them too. It was really fun. Um, it was a very meandering conversation. Like, I mean, if I could have recorded it, but some of it is not airable. Uh, anyway, so thank you as always for listening. Um, please subscribe to the newsletter. If you don't already, it's we have notes.substack.com. That is free. It comes out on Fridays. Uh, follow on Twitter at Abby Gardner at Abby C Gardner on Instagram or at we have notes on Instagram. You can DM me, you can tweet me, anything like that. I love hearing from everybody. Um, It's such a fun little community we have. So I enjoy you all so much. Thank you for always hanging out. Thank you to everyone at Speak Studio. And until next week, I would say just try not to look at any photos of 
Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker. Like, save yourselves. Watch Only Murders in the Building. Watch anything else. Seriously. And I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>